Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Gary V Audio Experience. On today's episode, we have a fascinating conversation between Gary and Rezwana from Marketing Interactive about the ever-evolving world of social media marketing. They'll dive into the concept of underpriced attention and explore the role of influencers in marketing strategies. Get ready to discover how businesses can stay agile and adapt to the rapidly changing world of social media marketing. Now into the episode. So the topic that we wanted to go with um, was underpriced attention, which you talk about a lot, right? I do. Uh, and you kind of coined this term, but then um, I don't hear it as often in Asia. And so yeah. I think this is an incredible term that we should be talking about a lot more. So can you share with us um, why this is a topic that's so close to you, given that, you know, um, underpriced attention is essentially a platform that has value but isn't being used by marketers and this isn't a topic that's new but it seems to resonate very closely with you. It's how I built my dad's business. Mm. It's how I grew up being a marketer. We had a small family business. Mm. We didn't have a lot of money and I needed to grow it and it wasn't going to be happening by overpaying for distribution and creative. Yeah. It was going to be the reverse. Yeah. At the level that we now play at as a global company, I'm, I'm really humbled that you're deciding to focus on this because I think you're right. Underpriced attention really means modern comms planning. Okay. It means you allocate your media to places that the media is a good value in return for what you get. Okay. It also means that you have to drive down the cost of creative in filling that distribution. Yeah. It can all, right? If you take the most expensive thing, a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. You could pay less for talent, mm-hmm. you could pay less for production, mm-hmm. but the commercial, the media is still gonna sp- cost you seven million bucks. Yeah. I actually think it's underpriced attention. I know, I was gonna yeah. ask you that. So we'll get to that later. Outside of things like the Super Bowl, outside of things like a proper football team's jersey logo, yeah. outside of that, outside of influencers, okay. the predominant scaled underpriced attention in the world is based on biddable platforms. Okay. But not programmatic, because that eliminates the consumer behavior of consuming it. Okay. It's done on social. Because in social, what is unique for now, and it's not as good as it was 10 years ago, but it's still better than the alternatives, people are consuming a lot more of the content in social. Mm-hmm. Of course today we go faster through the mm-hmm. ads in our feed than 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but we're still seeing it. It's different. So much of advertising is interruptive. Hmm. With social, it's kind of there with it. It's not like you're being interrupted. It's also and if the create done right. If it's done right, you don't <laughs> even realize it sometimes. <laughs> which is when a commercial is done right, you don't think you were still watching your show. When a print ad is done right in a magazine, you don't think you're still reading the article. Hmm. When an ad in social is done right, you think you're still consuming social. Hmm. That is a profound insight. We have become a very major player in media because we're very good at planning and executing social media buying. Social media buying is completely zero until people start putting money into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like Google AdWords, right? In Asia, we do not have the same dynamic that we have in the US where we have very well-funded venture capital-backed startups Mm -hmm. that only live on underpriced attention. So all the startup ecosystem that becomes the Warby Parkers, that becomes the Allbirds, that becomes the brands that we all hear that are new, including things like Tesla and other things, like 
they, a lot of them are built on modern communication platforms, right? So in America, there's a huge underpriced attention opportunity based on modern comms planning, which really means buy biddable stuff, which really means social, though we're starting to see more connective TV mm-hmm. and streaming opportunities. Mm-hmm. But in Asia, mm-hmm. you don't have the same level of competition. Mm-hmm. So who's winning in Asia are KOLs, yeah. more so than even startups. Yeah. If big brands in Asia started to get serious about allocating more money to social media dollars, to the platforms, they would find an incredible arbitrage. The problem is there are no meaningful creative agencies that know how to make creative for the ads. Mm. And so we have this really interesting juxtaposition in the ad world where first you have to believe it or to know it's true. And then second, even if everybody agreed with me when they read this, they don't know where to turn for the creative because creative agencies are not built for this. Mm-hmm. They're built for above the line. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we've been able to make so much noise in the marketplace. We are built for both those things. It's still early for us, but common sense is starting to become a bigger part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think people really feeling the effects of it. And I think underpriced attention or modern comms planning, if you talk about it more professionally, is gonna become a bigger and bigger topic. So, so it's very interesting that you say that because a lot of creative agencies would argue otherwise because we are living in the age of social and they would argue that, hey, we've got the right talent, we're hiring people who are younger, who are native users. Yeah. Um, so you might face some pushback from creative agencies I, saying that. I, the good thing is I don't have to rely on what I say or what they say. I rely on the output. Mm. I challenge people that run classic agencies that say they do great work to show me the work. That's what's so beautiful about this. You can say that you're hiring somebody who's 23, but if you're posting twice a week on Instagram and it looks like a print ad, it, and so my argument there is, I know optically they're saying that because clients are requiring them to, but that is not their DNA. Okay. With, with incredible respect, because I believe that the craft of making long form videos as commercials is a creative talent. I just believe that, that it is too expensive and less effective in a 2023 world than what Starbucks or Kleenex or Evian should be doing. Mm-hmm. But I would argue if you look under the hood, they will say it in interviews, they will say it on stage, they'll say it at can. they'll say it to their clients. Yeah. The only reason I have the audacity to challenge it is because I look at the output. If it was true, then big brands in Asia would be doing a good job on social. <laughs> um, so how does social then become underpriced? Because it feels like a very cluttered space. Because I think that they're not spending it well. Okay, so it's not whether you're putting your money there, it's how you are maximizing it, optimizing it. Do you know it. what the scariest sentence I face every day being the CEO of this agency. <laughs> hey Gary, good news, we now spend 60% of our money on digital. Why is that the scariest? Because I know it's old digital. I know it's bad social. Okay. They take it from here. Good news, we're 71% digital. Hmm. But, but that's like me saying good news, I play basketball. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm a professional basketball player. And so you, you're absolutely right. Where, where they, where even in the things they get right, they often get it wrong. Hmm. Uh, I'll explain. I think especially in Asia, this is a strength of Asia, very much dictated by the influence of China, 
KOL work here, there's a bigger commitment to it. Mm. I, would actually, I would argue that Southeast Asia, Asia in general, has a better understanding of KOL work than Africa, than EMEA, mm. than the Middle East even, and even than America. Mm. The problem is underpriced attention. Too many brands rush after the same influencers True. and then they become overpriced. True. So, you know, I think that, um, I think you're right. They are allocating more, but again, remember this. When they allocate more, a lot of times they talk about the media, not the creative. So that's number one. Number two, most of the way that traditional media agencies are buying social media for their clients is based on reach and frequency, mm-hmm. which is not the way to buy social. Mm-hmm. So they may be allocating more money to Meta or Instagram or TikTok, but if they're just running for impressions at the lowest cost and not combining the creative against it and not trying to win on relevance at scale against many different consumer segmentations, they've used a fork as a knife. Mm-hmm. So what is to say that influencers are not gonna become the next creatives? You know, just bypass the creative agency and go direct. Because the influencers are too smart. <laughs> Expand. Why would you want to have clients when you can just do one-offs? Influencer, I started an influencer agency in 2014 called The Grape Story. Mm-hmm. You can Google it. We did it for, we've done it for over a decade. We're 10 years into this. I don't see Logan Paul running to work at AKQA. That's why. Okay, okay. But by the way, they deserve a bigger part of the allocation. And by the way, my argument is that creative agencies should get less money. My argument is media agencies should get less money because it's overpriced. And so that's why influencers are getting, if, if brands were capable of making great social media creative, they wouldn't outsource it to influencers. Mm-hmm. They would do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Why rent when you can own? Mm-hmm. Creative agencies aren't capable of it yet. Mm-hmm. They will be. I'm interested to come back to the example you gave around Super Bowl. Yes. Can you explain it to me? The why concept of why? It's underpriced. I mean, because a hundred because a hundred million people will actually watch it, and to get a hundred million Americans to watch thirty seconds of a video costs way more than seven million dollars. But nobody would equate the two, uh, underpriced and Super Bowl. It's not a sentence you'd hear. <laughs> I, I think it's because the industry's not thinking from the right perspective. My argument would be they're not thinking from the right perspective. And it's not, it's also not possible for every brand to be. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. So what do you, what advice would you have for brands who are, you know, there are so many brands who are now starting up and they don't know what exactly to spend on. Social. Going down this road. Social. Yeah, but social is so cluttered as well. So what are you gonna do, waste money? Okay, so social's cluttered, what are you gonna do? A television commercial, a radio spot, mm. direct mail, all that stuff's more expensive. Mm. Even, okay. even in the competitive landscape, you still get, and I, and I would actually argue, and this is, to be frank, we got very fortunate. The TikTokification of all of social media has really helped our thesis. Because now, you're right, it is cluttered. And, it, and, and I, the reason I'm going here is I say to myself, man, if, this, if we had this exchange four years ago, there's a really powerful argument for you to say, look, it takes a lot of money and time and energy to get a million fans on a platform, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Most brands can't even get a million mm-hmm. followers. Mm-hmm. And then as we all know, four years ago, if you had a million, you get 200,000 impressions, 80,000 impressions, whatever. Today, mm-hmm. 
you could, your first post on TikTok, you could have zero followers and you can get 100,000. Facebook, back to underpriced attention, this is what we really do well. Right now for Asia, here's a free one for everyone reading. Facebook reels are incredibly underpriced. But who's thinking about Facebook reels? You know, everybody in traditional agencies barely actually care about social, they'll check the box. And then social cool agencies, they don't wanna do Facebook reels. So, you know, there's these incredible arbitrages of distribution and then, once you recognize them, understanding that a video or picture has to be different on Facebook Reels than Instagram Reels, different than a TikTok, because the temperament's different, the consumer's different, the product's slightly different, that's a level of complexity that people have not signed up for. I would argue one of the biggest reasons social has not been taken serious enough by the best creative agencies in the world is because it's too hard. Not because it's completely like, I don't think it's cool, it's because it's harder. It's a lot easier to come up with a tagline and make a video and put on TV. Um, so the speed of change yes. in social, obviously, or the digital world is so fast. Right? Yes. What are your thoughts on this? Because you guys also made a venture into Web3. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing this business evolve? We're a little bit different. I have empathy for the companies that are doing this because two things happened. One, people get hysterical about new technologies. Mm-hmm. So they've cut their metaverse team, but they just hired 40 people for artificial intelligence, right? So the new thing creates corporate hysteria. Two, had the economy not gotten challenged, they wouldn't be cutting, Mm -hmm. because they could get away with it. Mm -hmm. And they would just be there, Mm -hmm. things are good. Mm -hmm. But because these companies are challenged, Mm -hmm. and because they're cutting jobs, you know, I just did a company-wide meeting, and I said, the issue with marketing is people are either too obsessed with yesterday, or too obsessed with tomorrow. Okay. We need to be the best at today. Mm-hmm. What you just asked was people becoming too obsessed with tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, when, the, when the NFT thing happened, I consistently said two main things that were different than everybody else. One, 99% of NFTs were gonna go to zero. I made 100 videos about it, I said it all the time, yeah, yeah. and that was at the height of it. Yeah. Not when it was starting to decline, as it was exploding, because I saw the pattern that I saw with internet stocks in 97. <laughs> Right, everybody started valuing these companies. Like, yeah, the internet's coming, but it's not here. And number two, the thing I said was the metaverse was not real. That I would say over and over, a hundred times last year and two years ago, how many people do you know that spend two hours a day in VR? Mm. And the answer is zero. Mm. And so the metaverse is a real, real challenge because it's not here yet. Mm -hmm. Facebook's investing. What they're doing with Oculus is unbelievable. Mm. But humans aren't ready for it yet. It's just too early. Uh, we weren't ready for cell phones. Remember when this came out, how many people stayed with the Blackberry? Yes. So like, you know, it takes time. So, you know, my thoughts on it are, I'm very bullish on Web3. I actually think artificial intelligence is gonna speed up blockchain because once people realize we have a major copyright and trademark issue mm-hmm. with artificial intelligence, where is it all sourcing from, right? That's true. And so what's gonna happen is once people realize how big of an issue this is, I believe a lot of companies that have IP you know, Walt Disney, Walt Disney Company is not gonna want ChatGPT to make profit on scraping all of its information and coming up with solutions. So I actually believe there's a scenario, and I, haven't, I don't have this fully baked in my mind, it's pretty complex, but I could actually see the internet completely replicated on the blockchain so people could have provenance rights. Like, it's gonna become fascinating. Mm. But that's a little bit of a tangent. To answer your question, corporations, when they're publicly traded companies, 
have to cut costs mm-hmm. uh, to appease the stock price. And often the thing they will cut is tomorrow, not yesterday. And my argument when I'm all said and done, I'm realizing is how great can they all be at today? Because if they were great at today, they wouldn't have had 50 people in Metaverse, they'd have three on NFTs. And if they were great about today, they wouldn't waste all that money on TV ads, they, or at least not as much, and they would reallocate it to social. Mm. And so that's what I spend a lot of time it's thinking about. It's very hard to find that balance though. The constant evolution of yesterday and tomorrow. I agree. I mean, you know, but it's also why I've been successful and why other people that I admire are other companies. How co- do you do it? You run an agency because I'm scared. Because I'm scared to lose. <laughs> you know what and, I mean? And it's so different across all your markets. So have you not felt this pressure? I mean, you've seen the knee-jerk reactions from agencies as well and the ad industry. So how do you find the the balance of what is gonna work and what is working today? I'm a practitioner. You know, think about how different I am in this industry. Unlike every other CEO of any meaningful agency, I'm an actual practitioner of the craft that I sell. Mm. True, yeah. You know, when I'm in meetings with my team, I know the work better than they do. No, really. That's a good. That's a very. Yeah. You know, it's a. You know, it's a I know. You need to have. Yeah. I know nobody talks about it, but like I'm very different. I, you know, when people when people argue that I'm wrong, I'm like, okay, but like, here's my results. Mm. You know, and so you know, I think uh, you know, for me, it's less hard because I took a very different approach. I am a practitioner of the craft we sell. I run ads for my businesses, I'm a creative, I'm an influencer, I'm a creator. Like I have V friends, I have my dad's wine business, I'm yeah. an investor of 400 different companies, many of us sit on the border, like I'm in it, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Even when a creative director co-founds a shop, often she or he quickly becomes head of new business, right? Yeah, Plus, Plus their output is so infrequent. Mm-hmm. When you're a creative AOR, you're doing a commercial. Uh, like, I was making content with Dustin on the way here. We pulled up to the office. I was like, maybe we can post this thing. Like, but we like, <laughs> like, like, you know, that is a. Uh, it gives me a tremendous peace of mind. It's really powerful, and so I think um, I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I really do think that makes me incredibly unique in this industry. Hmm. No, it's true. And and what, my one final question about. Uh, coming back to what we were talking about, underpriced platforms, does it matter if you're a B2B or a B2C brand? Do you have to look at the lens differently? Of course, because you have to know where your customer is. But the thesis doesn't change. Do you know how many B2B companies would rather spend $2 million to do the same trade show for the 15th year in a row (laughs) than spend $500,000 making content on LinkedIn when LinkedIn distribution's out of control awesome? So, or understand that YouTube Shorts, if you title it properly, unlike any other social media platform, can be long tail because YouTube is the second most significant search engine in the world. And if you're a B2B company and you title your little YouTube Short properly, that it could show up first or second on the search term of lasers or SaaS or whatever you do. So yes, of course, because every company has to reverse engineer where their customer's attention is. If you're a SaaS company going after accountants and their SaaS product costs $600,000 a year annual fee, you may get less ROI on TikTok than you on on LinkedIn. Mm. And so 
But for me, if you can even keep 5% for just experimenting on TikTok just to get insights, it's worth it. And so every plan needs to be different. But yeah, I mean, I think B2B actually for me is one of the biggest opportunities because LinkedIn is disproportionate underpriced attention for B2B products. It acts like Facebook did seven, 10, 15 years ago, but 99% of meaningful B2B companies are doing print, doing trade shows, and they're not making a commitment to posting four times a day on LinkedIn. But do you think it's because of the interaction element? You do a trade show, you talk to the people directly. No, I love that. I believe in sales so much, but I just don't know why life can't be and. That was a nice way to round up our conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think I've got everything. Amazing. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave any comments or questions for Gary in the Spotify Q&A section down below. You can also always tweet Gary at Gary V. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Gary V Audio Experience.